0: see all of you here on this summer day. And I am just want to add my welcome also to Chris and Crystal. It is so exciting to have them. Pray that they'll find a permanent house. They're they're just landing wherever they can land right now, but uh, staying in an apartment. But uh, really good having you guys. And your kids too, Cademan and Kate, really good to have you guys too. So we're really excited about that. You know, last week uh, we we did our first week in the series of running with the giants. And uh, for those of you who weren't here, our our theme uh, is from Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 when it says, therefore since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So that follows on Hebrews 11, which is the Hall of Fame in the Bible, where the greats, the giants in the Bible are mentioned. And we're going to lift up some of those giants, and we're asking if they are surrounding us as we run the race, if they were to come out of the stands, what would they share with us? What would be the big idea of their life that we would want to share? If there was one thing that we could learn from the life of these giants, what would it be? But before we just kind of head off into that, I wanted to share this morning, uh, last week I did some Noah jokes, uh, and I didn't really have a, a bunch of good David jokes, but I thought it'd be kind of uh, fun to have some fun here in the summertime, so I thought I would just show some interesting church signs. So the first sign that, uh, the, uh, I always like church signs, they're always creative, one is this, the first one is this, staying in bed, shouting, oh God does not constitute going to church, all right? That was an actual church sign. The next one, God does not believe in atheists, therefore atheists do not exist. <laughs> next one is, forgive your enemies. It messes with their heads. <laughs> I like that one. That's kind of a neat twist on forgive your enemies, yeah. How about this one? Walmart's not, it's not the only saving place. And then, artificial intelligence is no match for natural stupidity. Very good. And then there are some questions that can't be answered by Google. This next one kind of ticked me off. Now is a good time to visit our pastors on vacation. (laughs) Groan. All right. All right. So the, uh, the the giant that we're going to live up today—it's kind of a play on words when you think of giant with well, this guy, because it's David. Because we always think of David fighting the giant, but really, spiritually though, he was physically no match for the giant. He is a spiritual giant, and so we're going to be talking about him today. Now, to think about David being considered one of the giants in the Bible is actually you know kind of surprising in some ways because. David was not only a great king, he was not only a great lover of God, he was a notorious sinner. Um, And and if you haven't heard the story, um, um, one day when uh, David should have been at war, instead he was standing on the rooftop of his house, and while he was doing it, he saw a beautiful woman by the name of Bathsheba, and she was bathing herself on the neighboring rooftop. And... um, he asked for her to come over and if you know the story he committed adultery with her and then not only that but to make matters worse found out soon that she was pregnant with a love child and then uh, so David's got to try to cover his tracks and she is married to one of his mightiest men a guy by the name of Uriah who is where he is supposed to be which is fighting the battle so he sends for Uriah to come home on some leave. You know, he's going to give him, you know, some leave time so he can rest up from the battle and sleep with his wife, you know. He wants wants Uriah to sleep with his wife, you know, so he can kind of cover his tracks. But Uriah is such a loyal soldier and such a dedicated leader of his other soldiers that when David calls him in from the battle... He refuses to sleep with his wife because he says, how can I sleep with my wife when my men are out there, out in their tents, you know, uh, fighting the battle? I can't sleep with my wife, so he doesn't sleep with his wife. So David's got David's got another issue to deal with. How is he going to deal with his love child? How is he going to deal with this man who he's got his wife pregnant? So what he does is he sends his most trusted Um, General, a guy by the name of Joab he tells Joab I want you to send Uriah back to the battle and I want you to send him to the place that the battle is the fiercest and then I want you to pull away from him when he gets in the fiercest battle so that he'll be killed in battle and that's exactly what happens Uh, he's killed in battle and um, Uh, They bring the word back that Uriah has been killed. David brings Bathsheba back to his home to become his wife. And so, to speak, covers his tracks. In spite of all of that, in spite of that sort of notorious story and that notorious sin, yet, David is somehow called a man after God's own heart. There's a redeeming, and I don't know about you, but that story is encouraging in a way because how many know that all of us are sinners and all of us, uh, all of us you know, are not destined to be part of one of the giants of the faith except for the grace of God. And, uh, but, but there is something about David that is a redeeming quality. There's, there's something about David that allows him, in spite of his sin, not only does he do a great sin, he does a great repentance. His repentance is one of the great repentance prayers of the Bible from Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. But if there was a redeeming quality, and this is the big idea of David's life, and if you're taking notes, this is the, if, if you get one thing today, this is the one thing about David that you need to know. You are exalted by God as you humble yourself under God's authority. You are exalted by God as you humble yourself under God's authority. Submission to authority is a principle that will raise you up in this life. The Bible says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. If I could share with you something this morning that would help your life immensely, that, would, uh, that, that could help you ex- excel in life and succeed in life, it would be this very principle, this, this principle of submission uh, to authority. Even Jesus himself has to submit to authority. As you know, he's Mary's son, but he's also God's son. But when he's 13 years old, you you remember the story. He gets away from his parents and, and he's back in Jerusalem after they've gone to Jerusalem. And he is, uh, talking to the, um, talking to the elders. And, and when mama comes back, mama's not happy. How would you feel if you if you, if you lost your kid and you found him in the temple? I don't care where you are, kid. You're my kid, you know, and you're supposed to be with me, or whatever. And and Jesus says, "I must be about my father's business." But Mary says, "No, you've got to come with me." And Jesus, who is the son of God, submits to Mary's authority until he is uh, grown. In fact, when Jesus becomes 30 and he and he um uh, begins his first miracle, he does his first miracle at the wedding of Cain of Galilee. It's his mother, Mary, who says to the people, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And Jesus says, no, it's not time. First of all, Jesus said, this is my time. And Mary said, no, it's not. And now, Mary, and now Jesus says, no, this is not my time. And Mary says, yes, it is. And uh, you know the story. Jesus turns the water into wine. So even though Jesus is the Son of God, he teaches us that even Jesus himself Submits to the authority uh, of his mother. So I'm going to share with you five or four truths about submitting submission. Uh, to authority, and then I'm going to apply it to David's life. So the first truth that I want to share with you is that God is the originator of authority, and Satan is the originator of rebellion. Romans 13, 1-7 says, Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against God, what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Then do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good, but if you're doing wrong, of course, you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They're God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a, keep a clear conscience. Now listen to this. Pay your taxes. Taxes, too, for those same reasons. For government workers need to be paid. They're serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Did you know that government officials are God's authority put in our lives? You know, I think sometimes we're very cavalier about about uh, our um, rebellion against even the, the the governmental authorities. But did you know that? Did you know that the IRS are the servants of God? That's right. The Bible says, "Pay your taxes." Those guys th- those guys are God's servants in your life, and, and you don't have to be afraid of them if you're doing the wrong right thing. But you should be afraid of them if you're doing the wrong thing. Satan, on the other hand, is the father of rebellion. He was the angel in heaven that stirred up a rebellion in heaven. He's the father in in, in the Garden of Eden. You can see his rebellious work uh, trying to get Adam and Eve to go against God. He is uh, the father of rebellion. But as you know, when Satan leaves heaven, and when he's kicked out of heaven, he takes a third of the angels with him. The good news is that you've got two angels for you for every angel that's against you. You know that? That two-thirds of the angels stayed with God. So if you think you're going through a battle, you've got two that are for you for everyone who is against you. So the government officials are God's authority. Are you with me this morning? I know, that's a, I know that's kind of a hard truth, and even in our culture that we're living in, sometimes that's hard for us to hear, and we're kind of, in America, we just kind of pride ourselves about being anti-establishment and all of those things, and, and I'm glad we live in a country where we can speak freely about our thoughts, but they are our, they are God's servants in our lives, and they've been put there by God. The second thing is that rebellion against God's direct or delegated human authority, is a serious sin with serious consequences. Rebellion against God's authority uh, is a serious sin. There was a, the, the first king of Israel before King David was a guy by the name of King Saul. And King Saul was, was, was tasked by God to destroy the Amalekites. But the Bible says he didn't destroy the Amalekites completely. In fact, the Bible says that he only got rid of things that were of poor quality, and he kept everything else for himself. And so he rebels against God, and when he rebels against God and all of these sheep and cattle that were supposed to be destroyed from the Amalekites, uh, Samuel hears them. Uh, he- hears the bleeding of the sheep, and he says, Why, Why do I hear these?" And he says, Oh, I was going to sacrifice them to God. Uh, look at uh, look at uh, 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 Samuel chapter fifteen. But Samuel replied, "What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to His voice? Listen." obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols so because you have rejected the command of the Lord he has rejected you as king then Saul admitted to Samuel yes I have sinned I've disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command for I was afraid of the people and did not and, and did what they demanded but now please forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord but Samuel replied I will not go back with you since you have rejected the Lord's command he has rejected you as king of Israel it's a big deal his rebellion against the Lord actually causes the kingdom uh, to fall away from his hands and actually to go uh, into the hands of David submission does not come naturally to us as kids how many of you know that Would they have kids submission must be taught uh, It doesn't come natural, Um, uh, Natalie, uh, since you're here, I'll pick on you, but Natalie, when she was a kid, she had a phrase that I think has made her a great negotiator in sales today, but when we would ask Natalie to do something, her phrase that she would almost always come out with was, maybe next time, maybe next time. (laughs) Natalie, uh, you know, clean your room, maybe next time, maybe next time. That was a uh, that that was a, a lesson that had to be taught, and I I, I think it made she was ne- trying to negotiate her way uh, with us. But 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 submission is something that we have to that we have to teach uh, in life. So it's a big deal. Uh, the the third thing, the principle that I want to share is that understanding and accepting the principle of submission to authority accelerates spiritual revelation and maturity. If you want to be mature in the Lord, one of the ways of being mature is to understand and accept the principle of submission. There's there's an interesting story uh, about Jesus in Matthew chapter 8. It says that when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do this. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And turning to those who were following me, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. From this Roman guy, Jesus sees something unique in him that he does not even see among the Israelites. And this, and this, this soldier says, I've been watching you, Jesus. And I notice that when you say things, that there are, are invisible realms that respond to your command. And when you, when you, when you ask people to be healed, they're healed. And, and obviously there are, there are angels, there are, there are powers that are responding to you. And, and, and he said, I get that. So much so that when he said he was sick and that Jesus would come and, and heal his servant, uh, he says, it's not necessary for you to come. Because I know how this works. I know how authority works. If you'll just say the word. You've got, you've got uh, angels that you can send. You, 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 when you speak the word, it'll happen. He said, I understand this because I, I, I'm a man under authority and I know what it is when I respond to my authorities and I have people that respond to me and I know how this works. And uh, that's how spiritual maturity happens. Uh, l- let me just say this. Physical maturity just happens naturally. You just get old. Let me know that. You just exactly, amen. Uh, I-, I was with my high school teacher last night. He was driving through town last night. And it's just it's just kind of embarrassing to see your high school teacher because, you know, he remembers you the way you were and uh, not the way you are, you know, and... Uh, and uh, you know, life, you know, we did, but, but spiritual mature. Have you ever noticed that? That sometimes you meet people that they've been going to church for all their lives and they just still seem spiritually immature, you know. Uh, Saturday Night Live makes fun of people like that, like the church lady, you know. She's been going to church all these years but never, never gets spiritually mature. But then you meet other people, they've been a Christian for like one, two years and they seem spiritually mature. What is it? You know, in life it's just age that, that matures us physically. But spiritually it's being in the presence of Jesus. Being in the presence of Jesus and watching how he operates and, and being in the Lord's presence is what, is what matures us. And so here's this Roman who, you know, he didn't have all the advantages of everyone once, but he'd been in Jesus' presence and he'd been observing him and watching how he works. And he says something very mature that Jesus says, I haven't seen this in all of Israel. So understanding and accepting the principle of submission to authority accelerates spiritual revelation and maturity, and then finally, uh, submission to authority brings supernatural favor, blessing, and protection from God. There are, there are certain things that come from... Before I go to that, I want to I mention something from the passage I just read, read first. It said that, that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now, I, I, I grew up hearing that, and that was kind of a way to scare people. Or, or just a way to sort of just um, rebuke people. You're acting like a witch, you know, it's like the sin of witchcraft. But what was, what was he saying when he said rebellion is, is, is the sin of witchcraft? Well, witchcraft is a religion where there is no deity other than the witch itself. And so the witch, the witch has motions and potions and things that the witch says and manipulates people and manipulates things uh, to get their way done. And that's what rebellion is. Rebellion says there's no authority outside of myself. I am the authority and so I will manipulate people. And that's why rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft, the Bible said. Rebellion is is the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness, he said, is like idolatry. And and the reason that stubbornness is like idolatry is because stubborn is the worship of your own opinion. When you're stubborn it you are worshiping your own opinion and so stubbornness is is the worship of your own opinion and so and so rebellion and stubbornness can get us in trouble. And submission, and this is was a great characteristic of David, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But f- number four, submission to authority brings supernatural favor, blessing, and protection from God. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Now, now he says something amazing here. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, Things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. We're told that as we're children that we are to obey our parents. And then when we get out of their household and you know we're no longer under their tutelage, then we're to move to honor where we honor our parents. I no longer have to obey. My, my dad doesn't tell me what to do still. My mom doesn't tell me what to do. But now that I'm out of their household, my job becomes to honor my parents. And he said, if you're going to do this, I'm going to give you a blessing. It's going to go well with you. Your life's going to go well if you do this. This is a, this is a phenomenal promise uh, for you parents and for you, for you young people today and for all of us today, that if we'll get this, this, this issue of submission uh, to authority... It can go well with us, and it can add years to our life. <laughs> I'm all about that right now. So I'm going to give you four tests from the, uh, from the life of David about submission and, the, and about authority and submission. The first one is the arrogance test. You know, when we, when we tell the story of David and Goliath, we often tell it like we did the kid's story, that David's just this little boy, and he goes up against the giant and fights it. But really, when you understand the Bible in the context of that, David has already been anointed king. God has already rejected Saul at that time, and Samuel has secretly gone to David's house, and he's, and he's gone to Jesse, and he's asked for... Uh, his sons to see which one that God was going to anoint to be king David was so unlikely they left David out in the field and he looks at all the other sons and Samuel says it's none of these boys you got any more boys and they bring in David and as you know the story he anoints David as the future king of Israel but David is anointed but Saul is still appointed Saul is still in the office of king when this this giant called Goliath is is wreaking havoc. And uh, David could have come onto the scene and he said, Hey, you know what happened, Saul, the other day? Samuel came to my house and uh, he he anointed me to be the king, but, but instead... We read the passage of scripture in uh, 1 Samuel seventeen 32. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. Um, I have been uh, taking care of my father's sheep your servant has been taking care of my father's sheep and goats when a lion or a bear came to steal the lamb from the clock if if i go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth if the animal turns on me i catch it by the jaw and club it to death i have both done this to lions and bears i'll do this to this pagan philistine too for he has defied the armies of the lord David, instead of coming in there like a smart aleck, he, he, he makes a, an appeal to the king and he says, I'm your servant, king, and I want you to know I've killed lions and bears and I can do this. So, so, so submitting to, to uh, uh, authority demands that we not be arrogant. One of the things that made David great is, is David didn't tout the fact that, that he was, hey, I'm I'm What's next? You know, don't scratch my crown when he goes in there to, to talk to Saul. No, he talks to him with respect and, uh, and he has humility. The second test when it comes to talking about authority, and you always have to talk about this when you talk about, the authority, about authority, is the abuse test. 1 Samuel chapter 19, 9 and 10, but one day Saul was sitting at home. This is the king with a spear in his hand. The tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came on him again. And as David played his harp, and Saul hurled his spear at David, but David dodged out of the way, leaving the spear stuck in the wall. He fled and he escaped from, he escaped into the night. This is a real important thing to say while we're talking about authority and submission to authority. God does not expect you to put up with abuse. Let me say that again. God does not expect us to put up with abuse. When the king starts throwing his spear at you, it's time to put out your resume. You know what I'm saying? The Bible says that David dodged uh, that, that spear we're not we're not to um, we're not to put up with uh, abuse because abuse causes damage and even the threat of abuse causes damage and, and so and so if we're in a, in, a, in a situation with an authority that's abusive or threatening to be abusive God does not expect us to put up with that would somebody say amen this morning amen a very important thing to say uh, in our culture and, and, and unfortunately our, our culture only has two answers it's marriage and divorce but there is another place to go when, when, when abuse happens and that is constructive separation to remove yourself from the situation and say I still love you but I cannot put myself in this situation and, uh, and, and as, long as, as long as this is going on, we are going to either find a resolution or this marriage isn't going to work. But I'm not going to uh, subject myself to the damage that comes either to me physically or the damage that comes from the threat. Amen. And so there's the abuse test uh, when it comes to authority. Um. Now uh, another passage of scripture says for the Lord's sake submit to all authority whether the king or as the head of the state or the officials he has appointed for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you For you are free, yet you are God's slaves, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. You who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. For God is pleased uh, when conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Now that's not talking about abuse, but it does mean this. Sometimes you will have authorities in your life that are difficult. You might have a boss that's difficult. You might be in a situation that's difficult. And, and God doesn't say that we only get to obey people that are easy on us. We have to, we have to submit to people, not that are abusive, but we have to submit to people that are difficult, and I can see a lot of looks of recognition on your faces, uh, in life. It's really important, uh, that we learn this, this, uh, this, this, um, principle. You know, recently I've gone back to work in the, in the secular, uh, field, and, and it's been interesting for me because, you know, I've gone from being a leader for most of my life and, in, in, in the capacities of leadership, and now I went to being the low man on the totem pole, you know what I mean? And I got one boss, you know, that just treated me like I was an 18-year-old kid. I mean, just... And, you know, and I'm thinking, mm, mm, mm. you know, I, I you know, it, and I just, I just had to put up with it like I was an 18 year old kid, and yes, sir, and all of that, all of that kind of stuff. But I will tell you that over time, I have won that boss over. I found out that he likes Harley Davidsons, and I brought him a Harley Davidson tie uh, one day to work, and now he's my best buddy, and all of that kind of stuff. But, but we we don't only get to submit to people that are easy on us, but we do have to submit ourselves sometimes in difficult situations. Let me, let me say this. This is really important. If authority exists for no other reason it exists for this, it's to teach us humility. Authority in our life will teach us humility. And so, and so David learns uh, this principle of humility. The next is the advantage test. This is, this is a big deal you will always have an advantage over the person that is in authority over you there is something that you're smarter than them about there is something that you're better at than them there and 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 a big test in your life is what do you do with the fact that you have an advantage because sometimes we think we're smarter than, we think we're better than, we think we, we know it more than they know it, and therefore we don't have to listen to them. But David was really good about the advantage test. We see this in 1 Samuel 24. When David had finished speaking, uh, by the way, Saul is trying to kill David. There was a song going around Israel that said, Saul has killed his thousands, David has killed his ten thousands. Yeah, Saul has killed his thousands but David has killed his 10,000s and it and it really ticked Saul off. And Saul was out to get David because he knew that David was next and if if David came along he was going to uh, get the kingdom because the people were backing him up and David had uh, advantages. People liked David more. He was more popular. He could fight better. He had all of these things and one night while While Saul is trying to kill David, he's sleeping in a cave and David finds Saul before Saul finds David and David has the advantage and when David goes in there, he cuts off part of Saul's garment but he wouldn't kill Saul because he said, I can't touch God's anointed. Now that's amazing. He said, I said, I'm not going to kill this guy who's trying to kill me because he is my authority. And he says, God wants to take care of Saul. God can take care of Saul, but that's not my job. And when Saul and when David runs out of the cave, he calls back. Um, and and, uh, when David had finished speaking, Saul called back to David, is that really you, my son David? Then he began to cry, and he said to David, you're a better man than I am, for you've repaid me evil for good. Yes, you've been amazingly kind to me, for when the Lord put me in the place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. Who else uh, would let his enemy get away when he had had it in his power? May the Lord reward you well for the kindness you have shown me today. And now I realize that you are surely going to be the king and that the kingdom of Israel will will flourish under your rule. You'll always be better at some things than your boss. You will always you know, know more about certain things than they do. And not to take advantage. The reason that you have given, been given an advantage is for you to serve those in authority, not to use your advantage against them. Both uh, Chris and I were under the same pastor in Louisville, Kentucky. Chris for more years than I was. He grew up in that church. There were, we, were, we grew up in a Pentecostal denomination and there were two churches uh, in our city and so it was the only two churches you would be allowed to go to because those were the only two churches going to heaven. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so you basically had two church In the whole city of Louisville there were two churches going to heaven and so sad for the rest of Louisville. But anyway one church had sort of a flamboyant It was kind of the flamboyant church. It was when I moved there, uh, and I don't know if you have the same feeling about. But it was kind of the happening church when when I moved to when I moved to Louisville. You know, it was the cool church to go to or whatever. Um, And so I visited that church, and then I visited the church that Chris went to, and we had a pastor by the name we called him Brother Vidito. He wasn't cool. He didn't. He wasn't slick. uh, But he was a humble, humble. Uh, man of God. Uh, didn't always get his sermons just right. Didn't always get his phrasings uh, just right. But there was something about Brother Vito that I just fell in love with, and that became my home church, the, 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 the church that Chris uh, grew up in. And I served Brother Vitito, and Brother I was, I was attending seminary at the time. I don't know if he has an education or not. I don't know if he has any education or not. I was there working on my master's degree. He invited me to, to uh, be on staff with him. And there were, there were, there were times, I'm just going to be real with you this morning, he'd be preaching, and I'd be thinking, oh my goodness, you know, uh, you know, just in terms of just, Chopping up the king 's English and all that kind of stuff, and, and there were certain things and uh, there were certain things you know that I, I felt like I had an advantage I had an advantage and, and it 's kind of funny because people can sniff that kind of thing, and when you 're working for somebody, the, some of you may relate to this. Have you ever had someone come up to you and, and say, "You know, man, Phil, I really like it when you preach." I, I really like it when you preach, you know. And, and they'll try to they'll try to sort of feed your ego and feed your advantage on that. But uh, one one thing that I, I just want to say about that is is I would never allow that to happen because because it doesn't matter how much education I had or whatever. It was very clear to me that Pastor Vidito was anointed to be the pastor of that church. The anointing of God was on, and, and you know what? I would go, I would go visit the hospital uh, with with Brother Vidito sometimes, and they would be glad to see me. But when they grabbed Brother Vidito's hand and he prayed with him while they were in the hospital, there was something about that because he was called to be the man of God in that house, and and it was my joy and it was my privilege to serve him there. And I want to say that to say it's really important to you at your workplace and wherever it is, whoever's in a authority of your life that you don't try to take it oh I could do that better than them let me just tell you this they have been put by God there they have been put by and if they're not supposed to be there God can God can change that amen it's not our job to change that that's the advantage test and then finally there's the association test I'll ask the worship team to come back then David said to the young so so, young man who had brought him the news where are you from now this is a young man that was bringing back the news that Saul had been killed now this is supposed to be really good news this is supposed to be really good news for David that Saul has been killed because Saul's the one that's been trying to kill him and so basically the news is coming back that the guy who's trying to wreck your life is gone David says to the young man, where are you from? And he replied, I'm a foreigner, and Am- an Amalekite who lives in your land. Why were you not afraid to kill the Lord's anointed one, David asked. Then David said to one of his men, kill him. So the man thrust his sword into the Amalekite and killed him. You have condemned yourself, David said, for you yourself confessed that you killed the Lord's anointed one. First Corinthians 15.33 says, don't be fooled, by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Be careful who you associate with. Be careful about associating with people who love to destroy authority. David had this redeeming quality in his life that, that he would not allow He would not allow anyone, no matter how strong he was, no matter how good of a fighter he was, how good looking he was, how good of a singer he was. He wrote half the book of Psalms. He would not allow anyone to say, to take that advantage. But he submitted himself to authority. And if you'll submit yourself to authority, God will raise you up. This is important teaching this morning. I think it's a real important teaching in our country right now that's, anti-authority. I I know there's bad police out there. Thank God for the police. Amen? I know there's bad judges out there. Thank God for judges. I know there's bad teachers out there. Thank God for teachers. Thank God for, for those authorities in our lives. And if you get a big idea out of David's, in spite of all of his sin, in spite of all of the things about David's life, David was a man who knew how to submit to authority. And as a result of that, God raised him up and God did great things with David so that, so that he says about David, that's a man, that's a man after my own heart. By the way, that's really what it means to give our lives to the Lord. It's to is to take ourselves off the throne of our lives and it's it's to hand over the keys and say Jesus you're the leader of my life. I I'm, I'm I'm well uh, somebody wrote a song Jesus take the wheel. That's what it means. Jesus I I need you to drive. I've been driving my life and it's it's going into a ditch. But Jesus if you'll take the wheel, I take myself off the throne and I put you back on because Rebellion is, is the sin of witchcraft. I, I worship my own ideas, and, and I'm my own deity, and no one knows better than, I'm smarter than, I'm better than, and I don't need authority in my life. But if you'll submit yourself to authority, watch watch what God will do. I don't know who this is for this morning. If nobody else, it's for me. God puts authority in our lives to humble us.